Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 48 of Material Issues. I'm Mark Hirschberger, Pop Detective Records, and joining me as usual from the West Coast, my good friend from the International Pop Overthrow Festival, Mr. David Bash. How you doing tonight, David? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Fantastic on a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday evening here in South Jersey. Temperatures are approaching 65, but we're going to be in the 70s the next few days as I have a new little doggy friend coming to visit Cheds for five days. So I'm happy that no rain is in the forecast. And uh, yeah, bet. blast the music, walk the dogs, enjoy life in general. Well, um, no rain in the forecast, but fortunately, IPO in the forecast uh, starting that- on Friday in Chicago. Uh, at Montrose Saloon for nine days, 12 shows. Wow. Nine days, 12 yes, shows. I know. Well, that's what, you know, Chicago is a hotbed of the kind of pop we showcase. So yeah, yeah I'm really yeah. looking forward to it as always. And um, pardon me. And I'd like to thank Montrose Saloon very much for having us. It'll be our first year there. And um, yeah, all very cool. Great, great people. And uh, yeah, just looking forward. I fly in tomorrow early when my flight right. leaves with like 10 after 6. Hey, guys, I'm not sure. Is this Andy, maybe? I don't know. No, I mean, Andy usually pops up with his name. I'm not sure who well, this last is. Time, last time he commented, it wasn't him. So. Oh. Well, whoever it is, hi. Good to see you. I mean, Thanks I, 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 let me amend that. I haven't slept much. Uh, it was him, but it, his name wasn't, uh, he wasn't identified by his name. Ah, Okay. Well, we love it when people check in and say hi in the comments. Uh, um, tonight's going to be a little, little bit different, not what we had planned. Uh, you want to expand yeah. on that, David? It's all, it's all on me. Um, I've been communicating with Louise Goffin's uh, assistant. She handles Louise's schedule, and it, I think she asked me for the time, uh, the uh, time and date, a few times, and one of those times. I aired and said the show was on uh, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I guess that was the time she she chose to to give Louise. And so Louise was expecting to be on three hours earlier than we actually were. And she has another commitment at this time. So unfortunately, we have to reschedule. And uh, we'll see when that happens. I'll, I'll definitely let everybody know. Yeah, so tonight Louise isn't going to join us, uh, but she will be hopefully here in the near future. It was just a a scheduling conflict. So tonight it is the David and Mark show. Barry just checked in. He said, can't wait for Liverpool. Hey, Barry. Yeah, me neither. It'll be great to see you. Yeah, David's got a a bunch of things going on, but uh, uh, Chicago coming up. Uh, uh, Who's playing Chicago? Anybody uh, of note? Well, all kinds of bands of note. Uh, if you go to internationalpopoverthrow.com and navigate right. to the uh, Chicago sc- uh, schedule page, you'll see. But uh, obviously, the most notable band is the Figs, and I can't take credit for them. The, the venue got them. Nice. But uh, but we've never had them at IPO, and it'll be great to have them. And the iconic power pop band Three Hour Tour and Phil Angotti. And uh, Mike Jarvis from the Lack Loves and Blow Pops, his new band, Elephonic, which is a little bit more symphonic than psychedelic, but it does have Mike's uh, songwriting touch. And wow. so you know it's going to be good. Uh, and then just all kind of oh, oh, more than 60. Great, great act. Oh, the Spindles. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Spindles have played IPO many, many times. And we really are, you know, we're really grateful for that, of course. <laughs> Um, that's got to be Mr. Borat. He, he would say that. <laughs> Wayne Newton should have had his first uh, child named Fig. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Figs are touring with Wayne Newton. Dates to be announced. Get it? Dates, Fig? <laughs> all right. All right. That was pretty good. I got to hand it to you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Well, good. I, I'm, I hope, uh, Chicago goes well. That's, uh, Thank you. starting Friday night for nine days. So anybody in the greater Chicago area or anybody that feels like flying in, 
IPO Chicago starting Friday night. Um, fantastic. Yeah, I, I have to give a shout out to uh, Terry Hatbarth of uh, Bullseye Records, not Jamie Vernon's label, but a record store in Milwaukee. Ah. He, uh, he's going to be playing in one of the bands uh, called Cabin Essence. They're going to be coming Sunday afternoon to play IPO Chicago. And out of the goodness of his heart, he said, any record store day stuff you want, just let me know and I'll bring it down for you. Because I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to record store day. I've done it a few times when when it's, when I've been in Chicago. Um, that's usually the week that it happens. And, you know, I'm usually just too exhausted to even go. So, yeah. Uh, it's uh, very kind of him to uh, to offer to do that. And I gave him my list, and it appears that uh, they're going to have most of it. So Nice, nice. It, it was Record Store Day. It pays, pays to know somebody. You know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough haul when you're just bouncing from store to store trying to find, uh, um, you know, certain things that you want because they, they don't make a whole lot of them. So, right. Uh, I generally, I don't know. Sometimes, but, sometimes there's something I gotta have, and I'll get that's in Borak also. He, <laughs> he just, uh, he, he, he just uh, hit us with a Joe Pepitone book reference. Very <laughs> clever one. A clever one, yeah. Yeah, it comes out of your willy. <laughs> John will get that, and others will be able to glean from context, <laughs> like you, I'm sure, did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's um, show that device, Mark, that you you showed me earlier. Oh, well, now I was telling, I was talking to David earlier. My daughter's moving to Florida, my oldest, to join my youngest daughter. And you know, back in '79, '80, whatever it was, when I got my first uh, cassette Walkman. Um, you know, you had a cassette. What did a cassette hold? Uh, 60 minutes, sometimes 90 minutes if you're whatever. Yeah, most of the ones I had were 90. 60 or 90, you know. You don't want to go over that. You start using 120 minutes cassettes, right. and they, they were prone to breaking. So. so you could get a couple of albums on a cassette on both sides. Well, now she gave me a couple hundred CDs, maybe 300 CDs, and she's got more in her collection. And with a 128 gigabyte SD card for this little thing, this thing could hold, I don't know, a hundred thousand songs. It's going to hold all three hundred CDs she gave me without even making a dent in the uh, SD card. So everything that she'll have can be Bluetooth from here to her car speakers, or with a little RCA jack if you want. All in this little device. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, first, let me comment that when Walkmans were around in the early '80s. If you had if you had made this statement to uh, to people back then, there would have at least been fifteen words that they wouldn't have understood. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, I know Lori's. Um, I'll be hitting that. Um, I'll certainly be hitting Dusty Groove, which is my favorite record store in Chicago. And there is a new one that, well, new in twenty nineteen that I went to last time I was there. I don't remember its name, but it was um, it it was it was a a fairly striking name. So I think once I, if I see it on, uh, on Google or something, I'll remember it, but it was good also. But yeah, Lori's a cool place. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what, um, what these SD cards can hold as far as uh, music is concerned. She can take her entire collection. And I've always said, you know, I put so much of my stuff onto SD cards cause I'll walk when I'm walking the dog. Uh, you know, I have, I have little tiny players. I have one that's this size also. But most of mine come in like the old uh, iPod type size. But they're all, you know, you can put different SD cards in if you want. But I'll tell you what, if my house caught on fire, all I had to do, all I have to do is grab a couple of my players. And I'll have all my music that I've ever owned on in digital, you know, format. Yeah, right I know. Out. That's uh, a great idea. And I should do the same. Uh, yeah, it's just, it I'll makes it easy. If I get a new CD... And I don't have time to just sit here listening to it in my office or wherever it may be. Dump it to the dump it to the uh, you know MP3 player or whatever, and carry it with you anywhere. And how long uh, does it take to dump a CD onto an MP3 player? Uh, Thirty seconds, you know. Yeah, it kind of really, depending on your program that it, that that you know rips it and burns the digital files. Thirty seconds, a minute, maybe tops. So, 
30 seconds, a time Mark Hershberger is very accustomed to. Yes, uh, I strive for 30 seconds. <laughs> what Danny Bonaduce said about his, his first time uh, with one of David Cassidy's leavings, by the way, <laughs> said, I gave her the best 30 seconds of her life. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she, so she wants me to be a put all stuff on her because she'll be driving to Florida with uh, oh, yeah. I guess her, her mom is going with her and, the, and her two dogs after everything's put into a you know, shipping container and shipped to Florida. So she can listen to anything and everything that whole way down, which is very cool. That is cool. And speaking of listening to things, I wanted to talk about some 2022 releases that I've nice. been enjoying immensely. And again, if I leave anybody out who's watching, it's uh, these aren't this isn't meant to be all inclusive. These are just a few that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, and once again, Louise Goffin couldn't join us tonight, so uh, we will reschedule her in the near future. But um, it's going to be David and I talking. So if you want to drop a comment and get involved, please do. We're here. We're here tonight, just having a good time. Absolutely. Um, one band is uh, oh, there's the banner. Okay. Yeah, one yeah. band who uh, has been getting a bit of a buzz, mostly in the UK, but I have a feeling in soon in the US is a UK band called Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. Um, I don't know the origin of the name. Maybe it's obvious. Maybe it's a line from a movie or a book. I don't know. But, but I have no idea. And as you can see by the photo, they're young. They're pretty young. And this album is called Backhand Deals. And it's on vinyl and CD. It uh, came out about a month ago, I guess, uh, in um, in in physical form. I think it had been digital a little bit before. Yeah, these guys kind of have a little bit of a jellyfish vibe, you know, a, just your basic young person's pop vibe, but with, uh, you know, with those 70s influences. And they're very, very talented. Um, can't remember the name of the lead singer right now, but he's, uh, it's this guy, and he's awesome. And the band's really tight. Um, I want, I'd like to say they remind me of the feeling because back in the early, you know, back when we started Liverpool in 03, the feeling were just starting to happen in the UK. I wish we had uh, caught them a little earlier so we could have had them at IPO. Right. But by the time I knew about them, they were already on Universal and, you know, big band. Um, that was that was one of the last really young bands that I thought, <clears throat> you know, these guys get the 70s. They sounded a lot like 10CC and Super Tramp and, you know, but with, again, a little bit of a modern feel. This doesn't sound quite like that. It's not quite as well-produced, but it's uh, it's really good. I would mm -hmm. recommend it. It's going to be hard to find, I think, in the U.S. Uh, I had to order it from uh, – well, actually, wait a minute. Now that I think of it, I think I had a hard time ordering it from Amazon U.S., and then finally it showed up. Mm -hmm. Uh, like one day it showed up, said only two left. It's like, all right, I'm getting it. So check on Amazon. It might be there. If not, Amazon UK, if you happen to be in the UK, that's very convenient. And let me ask you a question, David, while you're, while you're talking about a band like Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. Uh, where did you initially uh, hear about them? Did somebody tell you about them or how did you figure that out? Because I'm always, I, I, I always, I'm always fascinated sometimes when you say, "Hey, look at this new band," and I've never heard anything about it or where you might have even heard it from. And you obviously have people that turn you on to things, and, and people uh, turn me on to things. And I'm also, I also check out the Power Pop folders quite a bit. Um, obviously, the bands who play IPOs, I hear about albums that way. In this particular case, and I wish I remembered. Who, who to credit, but I believe somebody posted about them in one of the Power Pop groups. I, I don't remember which. I don't remember who. I know Jeff Shelton uh, posted about them after I knew who they were. So mm -hmm. he's probably to, to be thanked by a lot of people who heard, who heard of them right then. But um, Jeff has his finger on the pulse of a lot of stuff also. But I, I know somebody else posted before that, I, I think. Um, either that or Spotify recommended them. I don't remember, but I was going to. That's what I was going to say. So if someone says to you, David, you got to hear this new band, Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. They have a jellyfish feel. They have a whatever '70s vibe or whatnot. What's it for you? What's the first thing you do? Do you go check out 
on Spotify or YouTube or Bandcamp. Usually Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp. If it's if, if it's because that's usually the easiest link to find. If it's not there, then I go to Spotify. Right, right. Um, and you know, it's the, not yeah, there. People YouTube. About, people talk about you know the digital world having killed music and vinyl and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? If it wasn't for online and the digital world and people mentioning via social media or emails or things, you would not have gone out to a digital world like Bandcamp or or whatever, Spotify, listened to it and said, hey, I like this, and purchased the CD, you know? No, no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, yeah. and, and a lot of people think I, I, I'm against uh, di uh, digital files and all that. Not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't want that to be the only way you can you can get right. music. Right. But right. as far as like being an intro to it and as far as turning people onto it, I think it's great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I would never I would never want to be abolished in any form. Well, and the beauty of it is, as you said, like you don't want it to be the only way you get music because right. we know how much we love the physical form, holding the album, holding the CD reading the you know the booklets the lines when i was sitting here last night with my daughter we were having dinner and she you know was giving me her little player and the sd cards and her cds she was going through her cds and she was almost getting emotional because these were cds because a lot of them were in digital format or whatever or they were packed away that she was holding and going dad i just i just really really love being able to hold the cd that's awesome you know, and There's she looks at it, and, that, yeah. and she and she's going like, "You can see this, Dad," and she'll open it up, and the booklet in here is great, and it really was it was a neat moment that she and I were having sitting here talking about. And then I I would reach over to my collection here and go, "Hey, remember whenever we used to play this, and it would be like you know tennis, you know, here comes the Coast Guard or something." And she's you know, even though she's twenty seven years old. A song like that from a long time ago, and you and I were talking about Tommy Sixteen earlier with Baby's Got and those things. Man, when when, when Hannah was eight years old, she knew the lyrics of the whole album, you know, and she wow. would sit there and hold the CD. So that's a, it's it's a wonderful thing to have the physical to uh, to hold on to, just like books, just like books. You'd hate you'd hate books to only come out on Kindle, you know, right. Uh, all I have to say about that is hold the CD, woman. It's yeah, and, and it is woman, not whoa. Yeah. Did you know that? No, no, I did not know that. But I, yeah. I found that out at a zombies concert. Uh, oh, okay, all right. Argent, uh, who loves to talk in between songs? Let me tell you, he yeah. he, he told me that. And I, I yeah, I mean that's just one of those things everybody thought was whoa. Yeah. Now that I listen to it, I can hear a woman. But as, as talking about talking in between songs, I, I just saw Delamitri a couple of nights ago here in Philadelphia. Great concert. They haven't been in the U.S. in 25 years. I'm a huge Delamitri fan. But I'll tell you what, uh, Justin Curry says virtually nothing in between songs. He'll walk up and go, this was off one of our albums. And then he'll play the song, you know. But then he'll post on his road blog how much he loves Philadelphia. Loved the venue, loves, you know, as opposed to other places that he it wasn't as crazy about. So he's very, you know, effusive online, but live and in person, he doesn't want to say much. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when people go to a show, some people prefer that because it means they'll be able to play more songs. And other people say, well, you know, this is a live setting. I, you know, I want some personality out of these people. Right. Um, in my opinion, Rod Argent probably goes a bit overboard. Oh, there you go, Barry. Um, but um, you know, I think there's room to say a few things. Yeah. Well, uh, the, mo the most uh, the most Justin said is after he screwed the lyrics up to "Always the Last to Know." You know, the, he goes, "Yeah, you play a song for forty fucking years, you'd think you know the lyrics or something." <laughs> yeah, all, 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 and all somebody has to say on stage is "fucking," and the place goes wild anyway. <laughs> Um, it was funny because the band went the right direction. It was during like the middle eight or whatever. And he just completely, he played the wrong notes. He didn't know where to go vocally. It took him a couple measures to catch up. And he had, he had a little smirk on his face, but you don't get a whole lot of emotion out of, out of him. Uh, but it was a great right. time. Great show. Great good, show. good. 
Uh, back to the physical. Talk about some more physical. Another an, another brand new record. Well, this is newer than uh, Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. Is the new one by Seth Swirsky. Oh yeah, from the Green Couch. Yep. Um, I know that some people don't agree with him politically, and Seth is very outspoken about that. But you know, again, whether or not you agree with him, if you're a pop fan, it's really impossible to deny that the guy's just. Uh, uber talented mm -hmm. yep. and uh you know just really nice soft melodies beach boys influence beetle influence he has a very pleasant voice he writes great hooks this is a beautiful album that's probably the best word i can use to describe it uh, it's not it doesn't rock a whole lot but you know again if you if you like albums like pet sounds for example or some of the soft pop of the, of the late 60s then this album is for you. It's on Lollipop Records. Uh, shout out to Y Blair, who, who runs that label. As you may remember, Y uh, Lollipop was the label who put out the Red Locust album last oh, year, yeah. Yeah. which was Rick Springfield. Um, and Rick was always very coy when people would ask him about, about the album. He'd say, well, I kind of helped out some friends. Uh, and, and the liner notes don't mention anything about him. But he always has kind of this this sheepish grin when he says that. If you look <laughs> on YouTube, you can see a few videos where he doesn't exactly come out and say that it's his band. Uh, I know who said that too. Well, you know that this could either be John Borak or Jordan Oakes because that's those are the kind of things he would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we get it. No, uh, actually. Uh, Whoever said that, um, I was biding my time listening to it a few days ago. I have to say it, I'd have to say it does. Uh, all right, let's Moving get let's on. get let's get Barack to the uh, the CDs you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know John is a little sensitive about that. But. Uh, this is a really cool one. An Ohio uh, artist, Dave Cope and the Sass, with an album called Julie. Now, this is, uh, I have to pat myself on the back a little bit for this, um, and I'm, but I'm really glad that he, he followed my suggestion. Uh, Dave sent me his, his uh, previous album uh, a few months ago, and, <laughs> and, uh, Womp womp, yeah. Dave sent me his previous album a few months ago, and along with that, he sent me some CDRs of stuff he'd recorded but not released. And one of them was this album, Julie, which he had done a few years ago. And I listened to that, and I said, Dave, this is the best stuff you've ever done. I said, it needs to come out. Uh, yeah. Oh, Philly. Yeah. Why not for a home? Yeah. Strike that. I've been having a lot of senior moments lately, Barry. I, I got I got Rob Henrit and Rob Halford confu uh, confused on my interview with Aaron Kupferberg. Uh, I I sent the wrong uh, a wrong a time zone to Louise Goffin's uh, assistant, and now I have the wrong city. So I'm 63, <laughs> man. I'm getting old. <laughs> getting old, they say. No, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I heard I heard that record and I thought this is this is incredible. And um, I, uh, I I said you really ought to contact Ray from Cool Cat Recordings because he loves stuff like that. He loves releasing things that might be a, a couple of years old that ha you know maybe yeah. only seen digital release and that's it. And uh, so I hooked them up and uh, Ray agreed to do it. And here it is on Cool Cat Records. Nice. This is a wonder. Look, the the uh, title song reminds me of, yeah. Uh, the title song reminds me a lot of the Gripwees, and then some of, then some of the other ones re, uh, have a really strong Emmett Rhodes, maybe a little Harry Nilsson uh, to them. A wonderful songwriter. I mean, this to me, this one's a cut above a lot of your standard pop fare. So it's on Cool Cat. It's called Julie J U L E E. It just came out. I really, to quote Bruce Brodeen, extremely highly recommended. Let, let me uh, let me ask you something though, um, since we just are jokingly talking about getting old, and we're, we're both, uh, you know, we'll never see sixty again. Um, do you think, looking back on say the last thirty years, do you think your tastes 
in certain music that turn really like you know turn you on so to speak like whoa you think it's changed a little bit and because you know power pop has different different sounds and things to it and different things that make you feel differently and maybe 30 years ago you might have jangled or rocked harder i find myself you know with something a little different like orchestrated some orchestral pop turns my uh, screws a little bit harder now what what do you think no no my my palate has has broadened and it's also narrowed in 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 certain respects right and uh i would i would say for sure 50 years ago that would apply no maybe 40 in the early 80s um back in that in those days there were major labels were putting out a lot of good stuff Mm -hmm. and you know now they're not if i see something's a uh, if i see something is on a major label i tend to have a certain bias that i try to separate myself from when listening to records but i think i'm sort of primed not to like them like i'll, I'll I'm, I'm looking more for what i won't like than what i will like oh yeah it's that vocal it's yeah. that it's that it's that um i, I wish i could uh, what, what was the word i used to use for it um, it's, it's, it's a vocal that, that, uh, indicates that the artist is trying too hard, right? Okay. Uh, they're trying too hard to be commercial. The production is too slick. Uh, they've got, there aren't enough chord changes. They got those stupid, whoa, choruses, which <laughs> drive me up the freaking wall. Uh, every time I hear one of those on, on a song or on a, uh, on a record or on a song on a commercial, I just want to. I want my head to explode. Right. Um, right. So <laughs> I think back. <laughs> yeah, why not? And uh, I think back in the 80s, I wouldn't have had that bias. So I think there are things that came out back then that I probably wouldn't like, wouldn't like now. Um, but I still like because they, you know, they've uh, imbued themselves into my Right. It's my gray matter in a positive way. But and, and on the other hand, I think there's stuff back then that I wouldn't have liked now. I think my ironically, since I mentioned, you know, that kind of voice that just grates on me. Uh, I think there are certain voices that may not be as technically proficient as they needed to be back in the day. Right. That now I can handle better. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the power pop guys, even they would admit that, you know, they, they don't, you know, they don't sing as well as some of the, you know, some of the guys from back in the day that were you, you know, that were huge. But right. I, you know, I, I, I certainly enjoy those kind of voices. I enjoy indie rock voices now a little bit more than I used to. Uh, I enjoy, you know, and again, I enjoy the DIY ethos of things. I think that's another thing. I think back in, back in the late seventies, if, if some of the albums that are coming out now where it would have come out then i would have said this sound quality is awful i can't yeah, yeah. i can't deal with it um not in every case i mean like black vinyl shoes for example came out back then that was just done on a, on a four track at home and uh, it doesn't sound all that good technically but you know right. those are such great songs and i love shoes vocals so that that overcame it but it, you know other ones just probably wouldn't have back then now, when you when you uh, w- when you search out something online, Spotify or whatever, or if somebody sends you a CD or things like that, how how important is it that the first track or two really grabs you? Um, and if the first track or two that you listen to or or even listen to snippets of it doesn't ring your bell, do you continue through tracks three through ten or three through twelve, hoping to find? something better um i find question. i find many times it's very you know one or two tracks in i'm guilty of it sometimes i'm like no this is not gonna but then i may revisit it and track three all of a sudden makes me go holy cow you know where where was i you know well you know what um it, it, it this reminds me of something an a and r person told me back uh, back in probably the mid 90s when major labels were still around and you know a and r people were, were going around scouting bands to potentially sign them especially out here in la 
They said, if you send us a, and back then it was mostly tapes. If you send us a tape, you better hit us within the, the first 15 seconds because we just don't have time to go through your whole thing. So if you don't grab us right away, we're probably going to pop the thing out of the player. Right. Um, and, you know, and I've listened to, I've listened to material from, from uh, a lot of artists that the first, the first track you go, why, why is that track number one? Uh, obviously it's their own personal choice and things, but many times it doesn't grab me right away and it doesn't make yeah. me a holy cow, but then track number two, three, four, fantastic and totally different than track number one. And I go, what, what was the, what was the thinking behind that? You know, um, which is a, probably a pretty good podcast. What was the thinking behind that? And that's actually, I think I posted something like that on Facebook because when we were, yeah, yeah. DC tune time. Okay. Yeah. Melody um, certainly supersedes everything. Um, that's the ethos of international pop overthrow and uh, in my own personal taste. But let me, let me get back to the question yeah. because it had a few layers for me. Um, I, um, I have noticed that, you know, back when we were growing up, when you bought an album, the first track was almost always the one that the artist wanted you to hear the most. It was always the one that was considered to be the, the you know, the best possible single. Right. Um, you know, I mean, even on FM radio, when, when uh, you know, DJ was inclined to play the first track before right. anything else. So you had to hit them hard. Um, maybe it's because labels are a thing of the past. Maybe it's because people are thinking more about individual songs than they are albums. Right. Yeah. So when they put albums together, they don't really have a certain concept behind it. I don't know, but I agree with you. I'm finding it to be less and less the case that the first song is 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 the best. And sometimes it's not even nearly as good as some of the yeah. ones after that. So which um, is interesting. As you said, back back in the day with major labels and, and you know, even you know, mid-majors and things, um, yeah, you had to come out of the gate because you, you wanted to sell not only that first track, the possible single, but the whole album. Uh, maybe nowadays, with everything being the flavor of the week and just single oriented, that you know they promote whatever single is, whether it's track number seven or track number two or number one. But it doesn't really matter, you know, what track order to uh, to a lot of these uh, bands. No, you know, I don't. I really don't think it does. I think also because maybe they think that people will listen to stuff. At, they're not going to listen to the album d directly through, but they'll listen to things randomly yeah. or whatever. They just don't think about that as much. Back in the day, that was never, you had a record, you were going to put the, tr the needle down uh, at the beginning. You always were. Right. Um, so, yeah, no doubt that that's a past phenomenon. So to answer your, your question, do I, do I, if the first track's not as good, do I keep listening? Um, or not very good, I should say. Oh, it depends on a lot of things. A, how much time I have. B, what kind of mood I'm in. C, who recommended it. Uh, and I would have missed out on a few really good albums. I'll give you one example. Uh, one of my favorite albums from last year, Ryan Hamilton's 1221, which okay. interestingly is going to be a record store day release on vinyl. And... Um, Terry from Bullseye said that was the one thing that he knew they didn't have. And I have a feeling that one might be a tough one to get. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be kind of regional in the Texas area where he's from. The first three songs honestly sounded to me like he was making a, a, a plea to be signed by a major label. They, okay. they just didn't have his usual power pop hooks. Uh, the production had a little bit too much sheen. There was a little bit on at least one of the songs of that background vocal that I told you I don't like the whoa. And I was thinking, God, did he, you know, is he selling out? Well, track four, from track four on to the end, it was uh, vintage Ryan Hamilton. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, in his case, I knew who he was and I knew that I loved some of his previous releases. So I gave it a shot. But had he been a new artist and that happened, I, I would have given up after track one and I probably never would have heard the guy again unless unless somehow somebody said, oh, you got to listen to this track. Right. But otherwise, right. I might have just missed out on it. Um, so, yeah, I, th and I, you know, I reckon, look, if you're going to put out an album, whether or not these are collections of old songs 
uh, or songs you released as singles for the past 12 months or whatever it is, try and lead off with your best record, your, your best foot forward. Um, you really want to grab the listener, I, I think, because as we said, you know, if, if, you know, if we listen at the wrong time, we're just not going to go through it if the first track is not, not your, be, you know, good work. So yeah. yeah, but you're you you really hit on something. That is a phenomenon that, yep. and I, I I wish I could remember because I posted about this on Facebook. I don't think I, I I don't think I couched it in the same terms you did, but that subject was uh, intertwined with whatever it was I was saying, and some artists had a response as to why they did that, and I, I wish I remembered what it was. This was a couple of years ago, and I don't. But I, I I don't buy it. Whatever it was, I remember thinking, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, um, um, and as I said, I'm very guilty of that. Uh, even with things that come recommended, and maybe I've heard some snippets, and if I get the CD in or the vinyl in, and I put that first track on, and it, it, as you said, mood wise, if I'm not in the right mood or I'm not in whatever the right headspace. I, I might listen to a first track and go, you know, and move on, move on to the yeah. next. Well, I mean, we are older. Uh, I don't know what kids do these days. I don't know how much they even care about albums, but yeah. how well, often do I get asked to pick a track for the IPOs for an IPO CD as opposed to just being sent one? Um, I, well, I get asked quite often, actually. Uh, I, I think, you know, one reason might be because, um, they feel too close to their own tracks. They don't necessarily know which one they think is the right one. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I would imagine as an artist, you feel like the tracks are like your children and you don't want to pick one over another. Um, sometimes uh. it's hard to do. So, you know, that puts the onus on me and I'm, I'm very happy to do it because obviously I want to enjoy the IPO CD as much as I can. So, I'll often ask for the artist's best track. Um, so yeah, no, it, it 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 happens quite a bit, and I'm very thankful when it does for for that for that reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, sometimes I'll even ask, "Would you like me to choose one?" And uh, an artist will say, "Yeah, I really would." Ah, cool. So I don't I don't have a particular percentage. Um, it's probably about I'd say about forty percent of the artists ask me to choose, and like I said, always happy to do it. Yeah. Anyway, um, and and this year's IPO CD is shaping up quite well. We have 39 tracks so far. Wow. Um, you know, obviously we're looking for somewhere in the mid 60s, but our deadline's not for for over a month. So I think we'll get there. I certainly hope so. Speaking of a band who's going to have a track on the IPO CD, um, this is a new album by Amoeba Teen which uh, is on Big Stir. Uh, yeah, I figured, I figured that, Andy. Now I know it's you. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? With, I'm, suddenly re I'm suddenly receiving a whole bunch of texts that I received earlier. So maybe that means that uh, my phone, phone is being reconfigured. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is a band from Storebridge, UK, who is playing IPO Liverpool. I love this band, but I really love this album. And I want to thank the people at Big Stir for putting it out. Nice. Uh, it's self-titled, and it's definitely their best work. Some really stylish power pop is the best way I can put it. If you like power pop with with that sort of UK sophistication, definitely check check this band out. Uh, brand new on Big Stir, Amoeba Teen. Amoeba uh, Teen. I don't remember which album of theirs this is. It might be their third, but don't quote me on that. Um. Here's, a, here's another guy, and this guy, I believe, really is from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> M. Ross Perkins. Yeah, that's a really good album. Yeah. Oh, you know this one, okay. Yeah, yeah we, uh, you, had, you had mentioned it somewhere, maybe a did couple I mentioned it on, on, on another, oh, maybe, you know what? It's right that I did. The last time we, when, when we finished, when we had the technical issues with Denny Seawell, yeah. um, yeah. or Denny Sywell, we... Um, we you mentioned that. that. I immediately that, and then we went off on a tangent, and uh, that was it. So see, there, there's one right there. You mentioned it. You you, uh, you uh, 
highly recommended the darn thing. I went out, I listened to a couple things uh, on Spotify or Bandcamp, one of those, and and bought the album right away. And uh, really, really, really good album. Yeah, yeah, highly. Yeah, it really is. And speaking of good albums, spite our, our good friends at Spider Pop Records. Yeah, Lanny yeah. Flowers, uh, flavor of the month. I'm sure a lot of listeners here already know who Lanny is, but in case you don't. He and his band are from the uh, Kennedale, Arlington, Texas area. There you, there you are. Um, <laughs> this is this is an album of remix singles that um, I had mentioned. Some bands were, are, will put out their singles first and then compile them uh, on a new album. Uh, this is what they did. Only these are remixed, so that if you did happen to purchase the singles, you're going to want this as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, and am I right, Barry? He is from Ohio. I want you to confirm that. So at least uh, I'm not I'm not totally crazy. Um, anyway, um, Spider Pop has a really cool, uh, really cool roster of artists like Bill Lloyd and Chris Church and, and tons of other ones. Uh, but, you know, not obviously, but Lanny has, I mean, I have to say no disrespect to anyone else on the label, but he's my favorite. And uh, this is definitely one of his best records um i think when i reviewed it i said if there could be such a thing as sanguine power pop this is it lanny is probably the most easygoing guy uh that that i've ever known uh he's very you know he's very modest he, he speaks very softly doesn't talk a whole lot um you know he doesn't he only you know he only says things when he feels they're appropriate um yeah, he's just that kind of guy. He's almost like, this is going to come off wrong, but I'm going to say it. He's like, if Deputy Droopalong was like way more intelligent than he is, <laughs> he just has, he just has sort of that laconic drawl. Thank you, Thank you John Borat. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's lumber-esque. Sanguian power pop. God, I was hoping a quick response. You got nothing when it comes to Manny Sanguian. I got nothing. I was just thinking, is there a power pop band with a Manny in there or, or even Manny in their name? And how about man? How about man in their name? I, I'm God, I'm blanking right now. This is what happens when you have no sleep. Anyway, it's on uh, it's on Spider Pop. It's great. You need it. Blah 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 blah. Um Here's another really fun one, right? And I know that this one has been uh, creating a buzz around the Facebook power pop folks. Uh, Trevor Blendor. Uh, oh, you yeah. This one? Yeah, no, I, you you recommended that one as well at, at some Did point. Did I? Yeah. I think I, rev I, I don't, I thought I only talked about the M. Ross, but maybe I didn't. I think you talked about that one too, because I went out and, uh, uh, was all over that one too, uh, and I had asked you. I said, I said I had asked you, is that is that guy really young? And I think you said he's not as young as. Uh, oh yeah, he's not as young as he looks. Uh, yeah. He's been playing uh, with a band with an Iowa band called uh, Surf Zombies, who played IPO a few years ago and, and do what you would think they would do some some surf music with a little bit of a Halloween vibe to it. But this is just pure power pop and just really engaging. And he swung at everything. That's for sure. I mean, all lumber company did. Yeah, I think no. I, I think Manny Sanguian may have walked less than almost anybody who ever played. Oh yeah, I mean, he, he hit three hundred with a three ten on base percentage. Yeah, those guys from the Pirates, uh, the opposing pitcher, when they you know before the days of standing up and throwing the the pitches really far outside to automatically walk them. They, they didn't. They they automatically tried to throw outside, but they would swing at pitches three feet off the plate just to try to hit the ball. Yeah, I'll bet back then some pitchers said, "Can you just let him go to first? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, even if I throw wide pitches, he's got, he may hit one, you know, into the gap for a double. So, but, but is, don't they do that nowadays? They just go like that, and they no, they can now. But back then, I'm sure a lot of pitchers when he came up. But now we're getting back into our baseball uh, our arguments. You know, I'm, I'm totally against that because, you know, they could throw the ball away. They could throw it over the, the catcher's head. Or they could reach out and hit the ball. A lot of things can happen if you got to throw four pitches. And also, where's the pitcher at? It's all part of the strategy. But yeah. Not yeah, a no doubt. Just um, like trying to throw a perfect game and then leaving in the seventh inning. 
with 13 strikeouts and only 80 pitches. Anyway, you should check this out, especially the song Carly Please, which has a very charming video. And uh, I'll ask you a question, Mark. How, yeah. how, import, how important do you think it, it is these days for bands to ha have uh, a really, really well done videos? And it doesn't cost a whole lot. If you look at the Carly Please video, there's no way that that thing costs uh, right. a prohibitive uh, amount. How important I, do you think it is, even in the power pop world? I, I personally, I, I, I think it's fairly important. Uh, that's a good word for it. Um, and as you said, it does not have to be an expensive, slick produced. I mean, I'd be happy if they were just sitting in their living room with their guitars, miming to whatever, and just giving me a glimpse of of who they are and what they are and what they look like and and just kind of what they're just about. Um, but yeah, you know, if you want to take it to another level, yeah, tell a story, make it fun. You know, it's it's a great little pastime. And many times, besides Spotify and Bandcamp, I'll go to YouTube and uh, and and watch a video of a band just to hear the song and and, and see what's on their what's on their mind. I think it's a real neat secondary part of the artistry of being a musician. You know, song first, melody, lyrics, and then if you want to do something with a video behind that, I'm all for it. You know. Yeah, and I think. And for me, the prime example of a video that really helped elevate a band from the indie underground world to a little bit more of the mainstream is uh, Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. Right. Yeah. That was a great, great video. And of course, I mean, first and foremost, the song has to be good. If, if you've got a bad song with an awesome video, people are still not going to necessarily buy the record. They may think, oh, this video is cool, but that's that that may be it. Yeah. But as far as like, you know, if you can if you can marry a, a, an awesome song to a really well done, uh, vi you know, video that meshes well with the song and makes people smile and, or laugh or any or feel good in any way, um, you, you may have a hit on your hands. And they did. I, I, I really believe that if not for that video, it, it wouldn't have been nearly as big a record as it was. Um, and, you know, and I can I can vouch coming from just a small uh, <laughs> Rachel Honor was in that video. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that Tory sister. Okay, John Borak, enough of that. <laughs> but uh, uh, people are going to look. At, people don't know about baseball. Are going to say, "Oh, Tory Hunter, who's she?" <laughs> it looks like a girl's name, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, oh, now he's, I mean, he's now identifying himself. Okay. Um, I, uh, you know, with. With Pop Detective, the, the, the Dolmans had a lot of great pop songs, but, you know, I had a really good friend of mine, shout out to Derek Crucius, a uh, filmmaker who, you know, did a few of the, the Dolmans videos uh, with me. We shot one in and around New York City and on the Brooklyn Bridge and, you know, a couple here in South Jersey and and um, just wonderful uh, uh, capturing the moment of that time and that song and the band and it's a great it's a great documentary of uh, of what was happening at the time, and and I love that we did it. I'm glad that we did it. Um, but yeah, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah. I, um, for it. No, no, and I actually saw some of those Dolmans videos, and um, yeah, I mean they they were nice. I mean, obviously, it's it's you know you have there's also a matter of you know what you have behind you. I mean, Fountains of Wayne were already on a major label, so obviously right. they were able to get that video distributed played on different TV stations. Uh, that's something that Trevor Blendower might not be able to do. But if the right person sees it, thinks yeah. it's cool, you know, maybe he's going to get some label attention. Um, and I, I think this, I think the songs on this album definitely, uh, definitely uh, warrant that. So I think, I think as much as you, an artist can do today, whether it's a, you know, uh, a Trevor Blendor who's not on a major label or, or anybody even mid-major big, the more you can do on all platforms, uh, social media, whether it's uh, uh, even sitting playing live or video or whatever it may be, the more you can do, the the better it is for your, your chances of somebody, you know, coming across it. And yes. If you don't oh, no, know that. I had one band on my label that just refused to do anything. And, you know, really? Well, okay. Um, it's not going to happen by magic. So, you know, good luck with that. But um, uh, it's amazing what bands think sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. They it's did. True.
Um, they were also on a major, I think, by then. So um, that does help. But yeah, um, yeah, every it's it's amazing what bands. I mean, I don't know where where they get their notions about what they think they should or should not do. But I remember back in the '90s, a really really cool young band who played IPO a few times, and I don't want to disparage them because they were great and they were really good people. But from what I heard, um, Sire Records heard heard their uh, ind- independent release uh, CD and really dug them and wanted to potentially sign them, invited them for an audition. And apparently somebody told the band, don't show up for the audition. The label's going to think you're badass. Like, like They're going to respect you for saying, like, F you. Uh, and um, they, they, I don't know who told them that. Whoever that was should should uh, probably have their balls put in a vice. They respected them all the way to obscurity. Guy, <laughs> which it probably was, because that sounds like something. Yeah, anything that has to do with ego, you can be sure a guy said it. Anyway, um, so anyway, they 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 took this advice. <laughs> they didn't show up, and. You know, Sire would never talk to them again. There you go. And this was a band who I think had the goods in many, many ways. Uh, so I don't know where bands get sometimes get their info from. Um, I think I remember telling you, and, and this is public knowledge, so I can say who the band is. Uh, the late 60s uh, UK band Focal Point, mm-hmm. uh, who did a reunion show at IPO Liverpool about 10 years ago or so. Uh, one of the guys in the band, uh, wrote a book, which uh, he obviously kept a diary because his memory of certain things that had happened back in the late 60s were, were, would have had to be in, beyond impeccable. I mean, he would have had to have an eidetic memory, which maybe he does. I don't know. But I think he kept a diary. Anyway, he talked about the time when I guess the band were walking around a park in the UK near London or maybe in London and they ran into Paul McCartney and they introduced themselves and, you know, said who they were and, you know, they were very cocky and confident. I think Paul admired that and um, said, well, go ahead and, you know, send the cassette over to Apple. They didn't. They said, we didn't think we needed him. We were 20, you know, we were young. We thought we were the best thing ever. Um, so we just didn't do it. And, it, you know, and I, I, I don't remember exactly what happened. It gets convoluted after that, but apparently Apple did hear uh, the songs eventually. And they ended up getting a little, a publishing deal, but never got their record released. Mm. Now, thank you, John Borak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, um, did he list everything he owned? Uh, did he have a section on Aubrey? Um, did it matter to him? He'd go all night. <laughs> yeah, right. So, anyway, so I mean, you know, he said we were young and stupid, and yeah. we thought we thought we were going to make it anyway. So we didn't figure. We figured we didn't need them. Uh, big mistake. Good call. Yeah. I mean, they did at um, what label? Um, it may have been one of the Cherry Red affiliate labels, or maybe it was Decca, because they did end up releasing a few a, a few singles on Decca. But Decca put out a, a, a CD of those singles and some unreleased stuff uh, about twenty years ago or so, which is really great stuff. So if if you happen to see Focal Point. Right. On uh, you know, on Discogs or eBay or wherever, if you see their CD, you should pick it up. But I mean, that was a potential—that was a potential star career just thrown out by being cocky. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, so if there are any, here, here's my advice: if there are any bands out there, and you run into a famous person, and he says, "Send a demo in," or whatever it is, send five, do it. If you have an audition. <laughs> from a label show up <laughs> that's my advice okay <laughs> there you heard it right here 
anything <laughs> a label asks you to do, just do it. I mean, don't sign over your publishing in a, in a contract. Or something. Yeah, but, talk to a lot of fifties artists there. <laughs> I mean, get your get your foot in the door before you start before you start acting like a big shot. <laughs> oh man! Now, let me tell. Let me show you a couple of. Speaking of reissues, here are a few uh, reissue LPs that I've gotten recently. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, here's a band called Five Day Rain. Um, let's see what is it. Fabulous UK psych and proto prog, which indeed it is. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember, but there were, I think there was a guy, there was a guy from Fleur de Lis in it, which was an earlier band that had that had a, a song called well, had a version of the Who's Circles that was really good. Oh, oh, yeah. Silver Twin. I, know, I know Silver Twin. Yeah. There's another. See, this is a band. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I am going to say I contacted the. I contacted the main guy in Silver Trend, inviting them to IPO, to Liverpool. Whatever it is, they couldn't do it. I recommended that they, if, if, if anything, they get a physical release on, on that album because it's really, really good. And he didn't respond to me about that. So either he, he figures they're going to get signed or maybe they had some interest and he couldn't mention it. Or he's just being stupid. Because <laughs> you know that that album needs to come out on vinyl, on, on on CD, even on cassette, whatever. Get it out there, not just digital files. Yeah, I mean these guys are really young, and uh, definitely really good. Um, but digital is just not enough. It's great, as I said, but it's yeah. not enough. Yes, yeah. I do not. Yeah. Now I have again. I don't dislike downloads. I think they're they're great, but that shouldn't be the only thing. Shouldn't be the only Fair thing. Enough. Yeah. Um, you know, one might argue necessary, but not sufficient. Anyway, five day in your stack. Yeah. What else is in there? Five day rain is really good. Here's another psych UK the pop psych band called Elmer Gantry's Velvet Opera. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Hudson Ford. Yeah. Um, who eventually uh, in Stra the Straubs and also released some really excellent albums on A&M in the mid-70s. Um, this was a band they were in first. Not every song is particularly poppy. Some of them are a little bit more psych. Some of them kind of freak out a little bit. But when they do decide they want to be pop, they really you know, do a nice job. One of the absolutely, absolutely one of, right, right with that album, yeah. One of the more understated songs on the album uh, but really nice is what's the point of leaving? Yeah, I, yep. I, I love the bass line. It almost sounds like it's being played backwards, uh, and uh, this is kind of a George Harrison feel to it. Yeah, but this is this is another one I would highly recommend. Um, it's on Gerson. It was really hard to get here for well, Mike Stacks of Ugly Things was selling it exclusively. Mm -hmm. uh, I missed out on on that. They sold out before I got to him. But finally, I, I was able to get one directly from Gerson. And it's on purple vinyl. Well, there's two versions, purple and black. I got a purple one. That's what I wanted. Yeah, you're right about that, though. Yeah, they, they, they could go from one extreme to another as far as uh, real poppy and then real freaky, real freak out. Uh, that's what I... Here's another one that just came out. Um, the reissue of Toy Matinee's album. Oh, Toy Matinee, yeah. Um, I got number 408. I don't know exactly out of what. I think only a thousand actually. But this originally came out in uh, in 1990 on reprise, and uh, it has Kelvin Gilbert, who sadly is no longer with us. Right. But what a great record this is, especially the first five tracks. Those are my favorite. After that, it sort of uh, loses a little luster for me. Yeah. But I'm sure other people would say, no, the whole album's great. That's uh, really good. I guess it did come out in, I don't remember what country, uh, not in the U.S., on vinyl. Uh, it came out on CD here. That was right around the time when we were, the U.S. was uh, ceasing doing vinyl releases. Yeah, but, I, got, I, got the, I got the CD uh, of that, but uh, there's been a lot of talk about that album. And as you said, there's only a thousand, I think, is all that were printed. There's not, not a lot of them out there. Um, yeah, um, it's kind of like those new music albums that were reissued, which, uh, which yeah. both you and I got. And thank you for telling me about Warp. I really didn't think they were going to do that one. Yeah, yeah. Now, I guess that they, um, well, uh, 
if they're, if they're going to do the entire the artist catalog, even though Warp was not, you know, what the first two were, I guess you had to still put it out uh, to to complete it. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of which, if there's anybody out there who has any connection to a label, one of my all-time favorite albums, well, certainly in my top hundred, uh, is a UK band called Sailor. They had an album called Dress for Drowning in 1980. And prior to that, their stuff was, well, it was fun. They used a calliope, I guess. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, they had some big hits in the UK called Gla like Glass of Champagne and Girls, Girls, Girls. Mm -hmm. They were a lot of fun. Uh, some of their songs were, were really good, but nothing really struck me. Then they did a little bit of a, a personnel change, invited a woman to come on to, to sing co-lead, and they changed their sound completely to something a little bit more sophisticated, you know, a little bit cheeky, but in a, in a again, in a, in a more uh, highbrow sort of way. A right. uh, little bit of an even show tuny Broadway feel, but it would be, you know, first and foremost, it was, it was pop. That album's in Columbia. The other albums were were on um i guess i don't remember what were they on epic before that what any at any at any rate the last album has never been reissued uh, on cd all the other ones have and in fact more than once so anyone out there sailor dress for drowning put it out and with that with that note i think we've hit our bewitching hour time to put us out <laughs> yes yeah, so hopefully everyone had fun again yeah my huge apologies for kind of messing up a little bit and uh, giving giving the wrong time in one of my correspondences with Louise Goffin's assistants. Unfortunately, that's the one she chose to pay attention to. I did not know that. Yeah. And <laughs> there you go. So we will reschedule her at some point, um, just as we did Dwight Twilley uh, that one time when he ended up not being able to make it at the last minute. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's all good. And Next week, thank you, thank you, Barry. Appreciate it. Yeah, maybe. We'll, I mean, we'll we'll certainly thank you guys. We'll certainly do more of these. I, I mean, they're they're a lot of fun, and we don't have to really do much planning. You know, when we when we interview people, we always have some questions in mind beforehand, and right. that, yeah, then of course the interview runs a certain, you know, a, in a certain path, and we we try to follow it at that point. We don't. Thank you. We don't. We don't uh, stick to a. a a prepared list of questions. We may riff off that, but anyway, um, here things are just really off the cuff, and uh, I, I love it. I really yeah. do. And that was actually our original plan. We were going to do just us every week, and yeah. with the occasional occasional you know, guest. And it was like, oh, you know, <laughs> let's get more guests. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. This was this was fun. Uh, next week we are going to have some guests, yeah. and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have an interview with two of the original members of Artful Dodger, and they haven't been interviewed any of them in quite a long time. But uh, lead singer and co-writer of a lot of the tunes, Billy Palacelli, and the bass player and really the archivist of the band, uh, Steve Cooper. So Palacelli and Cooper of Artful Dodger next Wednesday. Uh, tune in for that. It should, should be. Uh, that should be quite a cool interview. Um, full disclosure. That, yeah. Full disclosure. There's a chance uh, I may not be able to to be there for that interview. It's going to be during IPO Chicago, not during the shows themselves. A little bit beforehand, but depending upon what time I need to be at the venue. Plus, also I may have to go pick up my wife Rena, who will be flying in on that day to join me. Um, if I can't do it. Certainly, a Mr. John Borak, who I've already spoken with about this, is invited to uh, to be Mark's co-host for that week. So you know, we'll we'll keep you we'll keep you all apprised uh, as to whether it'll be me or John. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Very big in Northeast Ohio. Yep. Yeah. Um, then the following week, we're very ex uh, on May fourth. We're uh, very excited to announce that. Uh, a really cool married couple, both of whom are musicians. And, uh, you know, we love uh, what both of them have done. Uh, the husband in the in the couple is one of the main men um, of, and now I'm having another senior moment. Philly band, uh, 
Wander. Wanderlust. Oh, <laughs> now. Um, God, I hope this isn't preceding. I walk. <laughs> I don't think so. No. But anyway. You got a lot on your mind, man. You got IPO yeah. Chicago flying out tomorrow. So I really do. Um, so bad Wanderlust. Yep. Well, yes. Uh, so one of the main men of the band, Wanderlust, along with Scott, Scott Sachs. And um, he's also put out a lot of excellent solo records. And uh, we're very glad to have as uh, one of the dynamic duo, uh, Rob Bonfilio. Yep. And then, of course, his wife, who many of you know or know of, um, one of the main people of the band Wilson Phillips with her sister Wendy and with uh, China Phillips, John Phillips' daughter. Had huge hits uh, back back in the day, and um, she um, also, of course, Wilson. She is uh, Brian Wilson's eldest daughter. She's a hoot. Besides, she's uh, she had her own talk show for a bit, so you know she's uh, she is not shy about sharing her her feelings. And uh, like I said, is really funny. Um, and uh, we're glad to have Carney Wilson along with Rob Bonfilio on. Material issues on Wednesday, May fourth. Yeah. After that, we'll see. Um, I'm, we're trying to actually uh, reschedule Louise Goffin for May eleventh. Then the following week, I'll be in, in Liverpool doing IPO. We're going to see if we can set up something there. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to do something live from to say hi live from the cavern if the uh, internet connection will allow. Uh, that to happen. So stay Your tuned. Wi-Fi has been getting better and better every year. I mean, I can only speak for three years ago, 2019, but it was the best it ever was. But we'll so let you know. You know, as long as you 2022, it'll be great. The uh, the wet. You know, if you if you join the Facebook group here or you subscribe to the uh, YouTube uh, uh, channel, then you'll, you'll you'll get the updates. It'll will tell you what's happening and what's coming up. So make sure you do that and tell all your friends to. To subscribe and uh, and join, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll be able to work something out to make it make it happen from the cavern, even if it's only a few minutes of it. All you need is one. Which, which, yeah. Let me let me close with this, um, and you you'll know the answer to this, and we just gave you a clue. What is the one thing that is? I I don't want to say for sure, but what's the one thing that's probably unique about um, New Music's Warp album? What's the one thing that's unique? Uh, or maybe unique. I can't think of any other albums offhand that have done this, unless there are specific comp compila I mean, compilations designed specifically to do it. Oh, you mean with uh, uh, All You Need Is Love? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Two songs in a row called All You Need Is Love, one being a cover of the Beatles tune and one being an original. One being original, yeah. Okay. It sounds nothing like that. Not well, I mean, it, it kind of lists a little, but that's yeah. about it. Um, yeah. Well, of course, this is the same band who had This World of Water on their first album and then This World of Walter. On <laughs> you know, Tony Mansfield's a pretty cheeky guy. Yeah, yeah, and a very talented guy. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's let you get back to your afternoon or evening or night. And uh, I want to thank uh, everyone for listening. Yeah, indeed. And again, again, my apologies for not having Ms. Goffin on, but we'll get her back. And uh, yeah, so tomorrow morning I leave for Chicago. I can't wait to start the shows. And yeah, best, yeah, best of luck with it, uh, David. I uh, hope the shows go great. Hope the weather's great. Um, and we'll, we'll see everybody next Wednesday with Artful Dodger here on Material Issues. Absolutely. Great evening. Great, great uh, doing this with you again, Mark. And, As uh, always, David. Have an excellent night, and uh, everyone, we'll see you next week. All right.